0: Welcome, great to see all of you. Um, yeah, so while we are- spiritual wanderers, and we, uh, our vision or our tagline of our church is, Love Like Jesus. And we do this through our 4 core values, which are biblical, relational, open-minded, and service-oriented. And so it's uh, great to have you all here. Um, if you can follow along with me in the announcements, we have a few announcements. Uh, some of them are like really important, so you want to follow along. As we plan to launch publicly later this year, Uh, there are three things we all need to practice and kind of keep in mind and keep into our daily lives um, as we prepare together, which is connect, engage, If uh, you missed last week's uh, Sunday Gathering, um, we explored this concept of Ikigai, where we we were in the classroom, so I kind of took full advantage of that and used the whiteboard and drew on the whiteboard and all of that. So uh, you can uh, catch up on all of our previous Sunday Gatherings online at our website, which is right there. And next week, I am very excited to share that a friend and colleague of mine, her name is Dia Jenkins. She is going to be guest speaking for us next week. Um, On Thursday, my family and I are going to go to Texas for the weekend. Uh, I was actually trying to recount when I last took a weekend off and during the pandemic. I don't think I ever took a weekend off during the pandemic. I mean, I took a few days off during the weekdays, but I never took a weekend off. So uh, our friend Dia is going to be uh, giving us uh, uh, a guest speaking for us. She is a a friend and colleague of mine some like church planting circles and networks and she is a fuller graduate. She is also an artist and an entrepreneur, so she's kind of like the perfect person to share uh, about this theme of Create, so you won't wanna miss that. And she just like has really positive vibes and I think I really love her. And on August 8th, uh, in lieu of Sunday gathering, uh, we are going to the Dodger game, yay! Okay, so August 8th, is gonna be a Sunday afternoon game I know it's hot, but uh, uh, our, our friend Ben got the tickets for us, and he made sure he got shaded seats, okay? It's like behind third base, reserved seating. It's like, yeah, so it's going to be shaded the whole time. So for all of the, the ladies, especially <laughs> who are scared of sun, don't worry about it, okay? So um, uh, we got a group ticket, so we got them at a discounted rate, and church will also cover half of the cost of the ticket if you want. And you could pay for more if you want, but the, uh church can uh, pay for half of your ticket. So, but uh, tickets are limited. So, we have a set amount. We can't buy any more. Right? So, RSVP would spend as soon as possible. And we're going to try to limit it to one. We definitely want you to bring friends, but limit it to one friend per church person, I guess. And you could uh, support our church or engage in worship through giving via our I forgot our offering box. I have been using it like so long. It's like in my closet somewhere, like, collecting dust. Um, or you can just text to give, or give online, or Venmo, even. Okay, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of options there. All right, so let's get into it. So in the back, if you want to follow along, there's, like, you know, space that you can write sermon notes, or you could even use this journal if you want. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be talking about... Hi. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to create a community from scratch. Okay, what it looks like to create a community from scratch. And I think I've shared with some of you, but not everyone, um, the story of how our church got started. Okay, so we started off just as a house church in our previous home uh, in Pasadena, in our empty family room. And uh, we met just as a house church for a few months. And then after meeting for a few months, I asked uh, some uh, volunteers or some of our church uh, regulars to be a part of our leadership team. And they were just they agreed. And as we were regularly meeting, we were trying to come up. We didn't even have a name for our church at the time, right? So one of our early leadership team meetings that we had was to come up with a name for our church. and. Uh, for them to edit a mission statement that I had wrote, okay? So uh, after a couple weeks of thinking about it, like everyone came to a leadership team meeting together and we all brought our own names, okay? And um, everyone, the names that everyone came up with were very creative and when I look back at that time, the names that I came up with were so basic and generic, it's like so embarrassing. I think like one of the names that I came up with was like Glendale Community Church, which is about as vanilla as you can get, right? And then I also thought of like Jewel City Church because the nickname for Glendale is Jewel City, but nobody knows that. And the only reference that people have of Jewel City is like the bowling alley that's in Glendale. And so those are like my two contributions, and uh, they got none of the votes. Okay. Um, but uh, it was actually I'm gonna embarrass Hannah for a little bit. It was actually Hannah who came up with the word church because she. Well, was it because uh, you just like the sound of it, and then you like that it reminded you of church? Resting place, yes. <laughs> yeah. The the definition of perch, which means to to purge and to rest, right? And uh, as soon as she like you know shared that and like put that on the table, we literally put it on the table because we all wrote it down and put the cards on the table. Uh, I think all of us just knew that that was the name. And as we were thinking about it and talking about it, uh, another one of our church members uh, or leadership team members, Chris Rowe, remembered seeing it somewhere in the Gospels, right? So we all pulled out our Bible app, right? And we looked up searched the word perch, And sure enough, it comes from Matthew chapter 13, which is uh, the passage for today. And I'll just read it for us. Uh, if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can look it up to. It's Matthew 13, 31 and 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air can come and perch in its branches. So we just love this imagery of the church being the safe, hospitable space and place where People can come from all walks of life and experience like comfort, safety, community, and rest from wherever they're coming from. Uh, and I, I love to share this story when I'm meeting with like, other churches um, and uh, when I'm guest speaking there or when I'm possibly asking for other churches to support what we're doing here. Because um, I love that I didn't come up with a name I love that it was another one of our leadership team members who remembered this verse, right? And even our uh, mission statement, when I first came up with this mission statement, um, I think it was something along the lines of uh, a community of faith for unchurched, de and barely-churched. And then everyone on the leadership team like, hated it. They were like, what are you that is so lame, because like you're putting all these like negative connotations and adjectives to you know people who are not like super religious right and so i was like oh my god that is so right like unchurched the church and early those are kind of like all negative words you know so uh we were thinking about it and praying about it and um, the words that we came up with or the mission statement that we came up with together was a spiritual uh, hospitable community for spiritual wanderers misfits and curious because that's something that everyone can kind of relate with, right? Whether it's in their workplaces, or maybe their families, or among their friends, or maybe where they came from. So I love the fact that this was created together with our first leadership team, and it wasn't just like all, like my I actually, very little of it was my idea. But when I think about this verse, okay, or these two verses, and when I think about the journey that we've been on, we had no idea what we were gonna be uh, experiencing, right? Like, I had no idea that we are gonna face a global pandemic, right? I had no idea that we were going to be a church in California where there were some of the worst fires in California's yes. history in the past like 100 years, okay? I had no idea that we are going to be a church starting up in this like political like turmoil um, with all this divisiveness and um, tension in our government. And I had no idea that we were going to be this church that was willing to try to make a social impact when there were so many terrible things happening to uh, some of our people of public, right? Some of our brothers and sisters of public. And I don't know if I would... To be honest, I don't know if I would have agreed to helping start this church if God showed me all of that beforehand, you know? I would have been like scared to death, all right? But uh, fortunately, God, in his wisdom, didn't reveal all of that to I just kind of went in blindly and uh, we just started off as this like humble house church. We met in different public spaces for a little bit and then pandemic hit and then we were meeting online for 15 months and now we're here again. And it really does feel like we're kind of starting over. And this imagery of the church being a seed, right? Because in, in, that's what it says in Matthew 13, the in, in parable, that this is a parable that Jesus of what a church or a community actually looks like, right? This imagery of the spiritual community being a seed is so appropriate because I feel like this past 15 months, we were like this little seed of a community that was buried underground, that was invisible. Very few people knew that we exist, but we're there, right? We're deep, covered in the dirt and darkness but that season is so important for the seed to receive nourishment, right, and water, and for it to get to the next stage. But in order for it to get to the next stage, the seed has to break, right? The seed has to crack, it has to break open, and that breaking is so hard. But it, it will always remain a seed unless there is a breaking that happens, right? And while it's uh, broken, and growing, and developing still underwater, eventually it will have to come out of the dirt right, and become the plant that it was supposed to be. And in many ways, I feel like the past two years or so that we've existed, we've gone through so many of these stages of what a community looks like. right? And I was uh, reading this book. I actually read this, I remember reading this book a long time ago when I was in seminary. Um, as you can tell, it's old. Like, <laughs> it was written in the 80s, okay? But it's still very relevant today. It's probably more relevant today than it was back then, okay? It's called uh, The Different Drum by M. Scott Peck. He is a, a medical doctor and a psychiatrist, a clinical psychiatrist. And after like years of his own experience in different communities and surveying and doing psychotherapy with hundreds of people, uh, he discovered that every genuine, true community has to go through these four stages, which are written for you in your bulletin, okay? Pseudo-community, chaos, emptiness, and true community, okay? Pseudo-community, chaos, emptiness, and true community. Now, what are these uh, various stages of community look like in reality? Well, the first stage of pseudo-community is when there is this kind of facade or pretense of a community. Everyone is very polite with each other, okay? Uh, And um, there is a conflict avoidance. There is a lack of conflict, but it's really conflict avoidance, uh, avoidance. It's relatively shallow, Um, And uh, there's not that much depth to these kinds of communities. Unfortunately, most of the communities that a lot of us are a part of are pseudo communities. They're really not gonna get past this point of pseudo community. And when there is a community that's like really, really easy, that is most likely a pseudo community where you enter into that space or enter into that group and uh, there's immediate connection, which is great, right? Um, But if it just stays there forever and there's no conflict, there's no pain, there's no arguments, then it's probably gonna remain a pseudo-community for you forever. Real community takes time, it takes energy, and it takes investment real community takes time energy and investment and uh dr peck noticed uh that he calls them sophisticated people okay um which are like kind of uh typically like higher educated wealthier people uh they can remain in pseudo communities for their entire lives they're actually much better at faking community than what Dr. Peck calls unsophisticated people. Now, I don't know if those terms are <laughs> uh, really PC these days, but when you're thinking about like unsophisticated people, it tends to be people who might be like blue collar workers or you know, not as educated and maybe middle to uh, lower class like in, in social economy. Those people tend to actually like, be a lot more authentic than sophisticated people, which is actually like, very, very interesting. Now, uh, the key trait in pseudo-communities is conflict avoidance, conflict avoidance, okay? Conflict avoidance is a key factor in pseudo-communities. Real communities actually acknowledge the conflict and they resolve it, okay? You cannot resolve conflict without actually acknowledging it, right? Then that's actually just conflict avoidance. And then if you remain in this state of perpetual Conflict avoidance; it just kind of uh, remains a pseudo community forever. Uh, pseudo communities are um, also uh, uh, unequal. They, they're uh, they tend to bias or favor the stronger personalities, the, the louder voices, or maybe even the more privileged people, right? And they will ignore Critical differences uh, in different people's uh, personalities or points of view, and they tend to speak in generalities, which is the voice of the majority. Alright, so pseudo communities are kind of dangerous. Okay, Um, so in order for a community to get past this point, you have to enter into a state of chaos. Okay, glorious chaos. Alright. So, but before uh, we get into this next stage of what a community looks like, I wanted to ask you: um, What are some pseudo communities in your life right now? And again, there's nothing wrong with pseudo communities, but you know, we all—that can't be the only spaces that we live in, right? But what are some pseudo communities in your life right now? Do, do anyone have like, a, like workout classes that they're kind of like a community? That's like a good example where there, there's um, there's a common uh, interest that brings people together but it probably doesn't go much beyond that in common interest. Uh, so another nickname for pseudo community could be like interest group. <laughs> of uh, the four stages of community is chaos, alright? Now this might immediately strike some anxiety or fear in people's minds when we talk about chaos, okay? Um, chaos is a very, very essential part of creating community. Okay? This is where individual differences and disagreements uh, are out in the open. Alright? They're out in the open and they come uh crashing to a head, okay? And um, some people's difference of opinions are like trying to uh, overcome other people's their, uh, disagreements. And there is a time of fighting and struggle. And the goal is to become, uh, ultimately fighting a struggle in and of itself is not a bad thing, okay? It's, it's how you fight, it's how you struggle, that makes a big difference, right? And ultimately, you want this fighting and struggling to be constructive, right? You want to get to the point where fighting and and struggling with each other is constructive. And for those of you who are in, like, long-term relationships, um, this might sound familiar, okay? Maybe in the beginning, you and your significant other were in a pseudo-relationship where you're polite, (laughs) you're avoiding conflict right and it's just like um you know you keep it on surface level and if something is bothering you you don't really bring it up right away right but then you've been together for a while you know half a year a year uh eventually you have differences you're gonna like come crashing into each other all right you're gonna like uh have like major fights and in the beginning the point might be for you to win the argument, but later on down the line, you discover that there's a better way to fight, right? There's a better way to like struggle together, okay? It's to, and hopefully you get to the point where you're struggling constructively. Real communities in this country are very, very difficult to find, okay? They're very, very rare because we are immersed in this culture of individualism, And consumerism right and individualism is if if it doesn't satisfy me or if it makes me uncomfortable I'm gone right and a lot of times when people uh, are in these pseudo communities and they experience chaos they bounce that's and then they move on to the next group (laughs) and then they experience some pseudo community there for some time and then they'll run into conflict there And then they're like, oh, no, this isn't for me. And then they bounce. So a lot of people will jump from group to group to group until something or someone offends them. And they live their entire lives that way. Unfortunately, uh, they will never experience true community if we hold on to this kind of attitude forever. Now, um, perfect example of this, okay? are these masks. You guys remember last year, when the CDC was encouraging everyone to wear masks and some people were like throwing a fit, right? Like they were like, what? Don't tell me how to live my life, right? And like, just, this is like, was such, a, well, I don't know why this was so political. <laughs> this is so political, but that is just like a perfect reflection of our individualistic culture is like, if it makes me feel slightly comfortable, even if it kills my neighbor, I'm not gonna do it, right? And so we have such a hard time in this country, like learning, uh, knowing what it truly means to be a community. Chaos is not only inevitable, but it is essential. Chaos is an essential part of what it means to become a true community. And then inevitably, if you do run into chaos, you go into this next stage of emptiness. Emptiness. And this is probably the most painful stage of a community. This is when the community will lose people along the way because they cannot handle the chaos or the conflict, uh, or the conflict is just too unbearable for them. Unfortunately, these individuals tend to remain in pseudo-communities forever, uh, as I just shared. Um, Now, uh, I have to clarify. This is different from leaving a toxic group or leaving uh, an abusive leader, okay? Uh, Leaving an abusive leader or a toxic group is not the same thing as conflict avoidance, all right? If uh, you ever find yourself in a toxic group or a toxic environment, get the hell out of there. okay? Or if you're under the authority of an abusive leader, get the hell out of there. Okay. If I ever become an abusive leader, get out of here, <laughs> all okay. right? Okay, but um, this is a, a painful process that every community has to encounter. Okay. Every true community will lose people along the way, or uh, this emptiness will feel like um, a loss in the community itself. Meaning like the community doesn't function the way it used to, right? Or we have to let go of some things that we were like sacred cows for us, right? Um, like for us, right? We, we actually have a venue that we met in before the pandemic and that venue is not available to us anymore, right? And that, that was all lost and that was like an empty in and of itself. And so every true community has to go through this And emptiness is the bridge between chaos and true community. Emptiness is the bridge between chaos and true community. I'm gonna share um, a quote from this book about loneliness, okay? Trapped in our tradition of rugged individualism, we are an extraordinarily Lonely people. So lonely, in fact, that many cannot even acknowledge their own loneliness to themselves, much less to others. And what Dr. Peck is actually saying in this book is that people are so lonely, and they've only known loneliness their entire lives, they don't know what it's like to be not lonely. And that's a big reason why many people in this country are so comfortable with living in pseudo communities for the rest of their lives, because they're just acquainted with this form of loneliness. It kind of reminds me of um, like being in therapy. Like when I'm in ther- uh like when I think about <laughs> this is really told of me. But when I think about different people that I know, who and and you know, if I get to know them well enough, I, I think to myself, uh, this guy. <laughs> This guy could really benefit from therapy. <laughs> I think he needs to see a therapist. Unfortunately, people like that, who probably need therapy the most, will never see a therapist. You guys want to talk about right? Likewise, people who need community the most, like real, true community the most, will probably, unfortunately, never experience it. Because they're not willing to go through that painful process of what it means to be in a community. That breaking point, right? Uh, We're we're like a sea buried underground, breaking, and um, experiencing that chaos and the emptiness stage, right? The people who need community the most, unfortunately, may never get to experience it. Now, why do we desire true community, okay? And, And this is really, I truly believe this, Okay, This is truly why Jesus came to Earth. Ultimately, it's so that we could be unified with God. But while we are here on Earth, Jesus came to start these communities, these spiritual communities. And this is why I felt that it's so important for us to start this community, because there are truly a lot of churches out there. But unfortunately, most of the churches out there are still pseudo-communities. They're still conflict avoidant, right? And um, they're so like-minded. They're uh, homogeneous. And uh, they keep things shallow. They all agree with each other, right? And there's not enough churches where there's uh, a a safe space for people to disagree, right? Where uh, people with vast differences can still live in community together. And so this is exactly why we felt that it was imperative for us to start this community of Perch. And individual growth, individual maturity, in and of itself is limited, right? We truly need community to strengthen one another, to keep each other accountable, to support one another, during uh, difficult times and to celebrate together during moments of joy, the things that are required for true community are this, and this is according to Dr. Peck. Okay, uh, commitment or investment, appreciation of differences, and shared power or ownership. Okay, this is according to Dr. Peck, in the 80s. And this is so much, this is so true today uh, as it was back then, okay? Um, Commitment, appreciation of differences, and shared power or ownership. Those are the three things that are required in order to experience true community. And uh, a word that he uses to kind of encapsulate all of these things is inclusiveness. Inclusiveness. And inclusiveness. He says the greatest enemy to a community is being exclusive. If a community is exclusive, it's not a true community. It's a clique. Let me read you another uh, quote from this book. Community is and must be inclusive. The great enemy of community is exclusivity. Groups that exclude others because they are different are not communities at all, they are cliques, actually defensive bastions against community. Now, um, community, uh, uh, community, it exists for everyone, but not everyone will be available for community. Does that make sense? Community exists for everyone, but not everyone will be available for community. So this is part of the, this is like really the main reason why we exist as a church, is to make a bigger impact because together we can make a bigger impact than we can individually. Okay, and and actually like social sciences have proven that. If you certain like altruism is much more effective when you are a part of a community rather than uh, doing it individually and we share joys and struggles together, but also spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is limited if you are not invested in a community. So, uh, and this is a big reason why we say as we prepare to launch publicly, uh, the three practices that we can all engage in is to uh, connect with each other, engage with what God is doing and invite others, because by you inviting someone, Be a part of this community might be literally and i'm not like exaggerating it might be the only opportunity that they might have to be a part of a true community because man these past two years i feel like we've been through all of these stages right and we'll still you know with like as our group changes we might kind of go back and forth we might have to start all over with the pseudo community and be polite (laughs) And then go through chaos and emptying again, right, to get to the community. And it's kind of like a cycle that we'll have to go through again and again and again. But now that we know the four stages, um, don't be discouraged, okay? And know that this is all how natural and healthy uh, groups and communities work, right? Uh, with that being said, let's uh, pray. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of this community, for doing your good work in and through us. And I know that still, in many ways, it feels like we are a seed that's buried under um, sitting uh, in the dirt and in the darkness. But we also know that this stage is critical for uh, a healthy organism, this organ- organism to grow, to receive nutrients, creation. Desserts.